Hello and welcome to Mindful of Everything with me, Agrita, a podcast giving an insight to the mind of deep thinkers, where in each episode I'll be discussing various thoughts and questions deep thinkers often find themselves mindful of, from topics such as climate change to self-development and everything else in between. So, let the journey of mind unravelling begin now. Before I begin today's episode, for those of you that haven't listened to my latest episode, Climate Change Should Be Our Priority, I recommend you listen to that first before listening to today's one. I am going to release a series of episodes, including this one and the previous one, where I will be discussing exactly why I believe that climate change should be our priority. If you remember from the previous episode, I mentioned three main reasons that made me believe that climate change should be our priority. And today's episode will be discussing the first reason. Tackling climate change will be addressing our ongoing issue of pollution, which is affecting all parts of society. I also mentioned that I'm going to be focusing on two types of pollution, air pollution and waste pollution, in particular plastic waste. I actually wanted to talk about food waste in this episode, but my notes were getting too long, so I realised the episode will be too long. So I'm going to be talking about food waste in my second reason about agriculture and how it's affecting climate change. So let's begin. Whenever we talk about climate change, the first thing that usually comes in our mind is air pollution. This is probably because we can actually see it. We can see the black smog in cities, we can smell it, we can also like almost taste it. The amount of air pollution that's occurring in cities is quite big. So we can see the direct link with air pollution and climate change because you can see the emissions going straight into the atmosphere. So it makes sense when we talk about climate change and air pollution together. It's the most common type of pollution we talk about when we discuss about climate change. And we all probably know about the enhanced greenhouse gas effect when too many greenhouse gases, especially CO2, get trapped in the atmosphere and they are trapping sunlight, making the earth hotter, and that's where global warming comes into it. I've realised that there's always been a major emphasis on CO2. Whenever we talk about cutting down our emissions, CO2 is the most likely only gas we talk about. And yes, it is the biggest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions. For instance, 82% of US's emissions in 2017 were actually CO2. So we are producing CO2 at a greater amount than any other greenhouse gas. But there is a sort of flaw when we say that CO2 is the most powerful greenhouse gas out there and it has the biggest impact. The most potent greenhouse gas out there is actually methane. It is 84% more potent than CO2, as stated on Environmental Defence Fund website. I'll put all these links in my website. So it is more potent in the short term. So methane actually doesn't stay in the environment as long as CO2 does. But in the time that it's staying in the environment, it is contributing more to global warming than CO2 ever could. Yet, whenever we talk about greenhouse gases, whenever we talk about climate change, CO2 is still the gas that we're talking about. Methane is usually the gas that we're not focusing on. 
And although CO2 is the gas that we are producing at a higher rate, we should still be focusing on the more potent gas, which is methane. The Environmental Defence Fund, the website I just talked about, approximates that 25% of man-made global warming that we are experiencing right now is from methane emissions. So that is a really big stat right there. And it kind of alarms me that we still aren't focusing on methane emissions as much as CO2 emissions. Of course, there are more emitters of CO2 overall, but we have to look at what gas is actually impacting our climate and resulting in the global warming that we're seeing today. I think this highlights how distorted climate change or any other science-based facts actually can be. We are always focusing on CO2 emissions and how it's affecting climate change, even though methane is impacting our climate more. I think there's so many different ways that you can actually reduce your own emissions. So I'll release a few lists that will kind of help you to reduce your own emissions. But as an overview, I'm going to split up CO2 and methane emission solutions. And I'm just going to go over them. So the few ways you can reduce your own emissions and also how the government can also reduce emissions. Whenever we talk about reducing CO2 emissions, it usually is more top-down approaches to how the government can help reduce emissions or how organisations can help reduce CO2 emissions. So that can include things like energy efficient technology. So the government making sure that the appliances that are available to the public are energy efficient, organisations also working harder to produce appliances that use less electricity and energy, so therefore reducing our usage of fossil fuels. In addition, making sure that houses have insulation in them instead of expecting house owners to put that insulation in for themselves. I don't have a house myself, I have a flat, so I don't exactly know the cost of insulating houses, but I'm pretty sure it will be quite high. If the government themselves actually make sure that the houses that are built, so the new houses, new apartments, new buildings that are produced include insulation and include different energy saving features. Even solar panels, if solar panels are fitted into new houses that would be really good. Even the existing houses that we have right now, if the government could produce some sort of scheme that has solar panels fitted into your house without any extra cost to the house owner. I don't particularly think that solar panels are a great solution for places that obviously have less sunlight, such as the Northern Hemisphere. But of course, it still is a good solution. It is a good way to use solar power to produce your electricity. Of course, anything except fossil fuels is, of course, going to be better for the environment. Then you have other top-down approaches, such as renewable energy, the best way that we can combat anthropogenic climate change, and other things like carbon capture as well because we are still burning fossil fuels so why not capture the carbon dioxide produced from burning those fossil fuels to generate our energy. So those are some of the top-down approaches that we are very familiar with when we talk about reducing CO2 emissions. But basically I have made this podcast to give you solutions that you can apply in your own life So, of course, top-down approaches are really good. The government should be doing much, much more. But I do also believe in individual action. So I'm going to go through some ways that you can reduce your own emissions. You probably would have heard 
of these before or maybe you would have heard of these things but you haven't applied them in your own life. So I think I'm going to go through a few ways that you can reduce your own CO2 emissions. The first thing you can do is reduce your energy usage. Again, like I said, it's a supply and demand thing. If you're using more electricity, if more people are using more electricity, the demand is going to be higher. So the supply will be increasing, of course, and that means more fossil fuels will be burnt. So reduce your own energy usage. You can do that by replacing car usage with walking, using public transport, cycling, etc. Or basically by using your car less frequently. Whenever you do want to go to a place, try to find ways that you can get there by not using your car. Of course, if you're going longer distances, cars will be most suitable for everyone. But when you're going to work or when you're going to visit someone, etc., try to use your car less. Because I've just touched on cars, I just want to quickly go through the benefits of electric cars. I've always been sort of sceptical about electric cars because electric cars essentially are charged by electricity that has been generated by fossil fuels. So in the end, you're still supporting fossil fuel companies. You're still using fossil fuels. But apparently they use less of the energy produced by fossil fuels than petrol and diesel cars do. There's an article on The Guardian talking about exactly how green electric cars are. I'll put that on my website. And apparently electric cars use one third less energy than petrol cars do. So of course there's a benefit already in that. Another benefit of electric cars and transport is that when they are being charged and when they are obviously running, they're not producing the emissions that petrol and diesel cars do. So even though power stations have released emissions whilst producing the electricity for those cars and transport to function, compared to petrol and diesel cars that, first of all, use fossil fuels that power stations have produced, which have already emitted, and then those cars are emitting again, so that's double emissions. So in that sense, electric cars are still sort of better but you still have to remember that a lot of emissions have been emitted just to produce those electric cars, particularly because electric cars obviously will have more complex functions and more complex parts than petrol and diesel cars would. The main reason why I support electric transport is because the shift from fossil fuel dependency to renewable energy dependency I think is so much more easier. I was at services recently and when I was walking past the electric charging points I actually saw one of the charging points had ecotricity written on it. Ecotricity is an energy provider that uses only renewable sources so to see that electric point being provided by ecotricity so means so meaning that whichever car was going to be charged at that point they'll be using energy that is generated from renewables. There's already a change happening there. So even though cars are still produced using fossil fuels, at least the electricity that's being provided can easily be changed to renewables and slowly it can also be used in manufacturing processes. That was transport, but you can also reduce your energy usage by, of course, closing lights, using LEDs. LEDs have become so much more affordable over the years. I remember learning about them six or seven years back and they were pretty expensive, but now... Is basically affordable for everyone to use. They last longer so they will be saving you money overall plus they will be helping the planet as well. Of course turning off appliances when you don't need them. 
One important tip is to actually remove plugs from sockets even when that plug isn't charging anything or is just left there. Plugs actually have a tendency to suck energy from sockets so that's still adding to your energy bills and of course that's using energy that is most likely produced by fossil fuels again affecting climate change ultimately. Additionally reduce your use of tumble dryers. Line drying your clothing will save on your energy bills so much. Of course when it's raining or it's really cold outside I guess you have to use tumble dryers but whenever it's summer, whenever it's warm enough to dry your clothes outside and when you have enough time save on your energy bills and hang your clothes on a washing line. If you don't have a washing line you can get those stands inside your house and you can hang your clothes as well. Basically most of the ways you can reduce your own emissions will save you a lot of money as well and it will help protect the planet so why not do two of the things at the same time. Also I know how difficult it can be to convince let's say your parents that you're living with to switch to green energy suppliers. I tried to introduce my dad to that he wasn't very pleased so I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to just try to reduce my own emissions for now. And once I get my own house, then I'll be using green energy only. So, of course, if you're not living by yourself and if it's not in your budget, then, of course, you can just try to reduce your own energy usage. Okay, so the first way you can reduce your own emissions was, of course, reducing your energy usage. Another way that will be very, very efficient, but I'm not going to go into too much detail because I will be producing a separate episode on this, is to reduce your meat consumption. This is not my way to say that you should turn vegan or vegetarian, but just reducing your meat consumption will help cut down so many emissions related to agriculture, especially livestock. Again, I'm going to be discussing about the emissions related to livestock and agriculture in my second reason as to why I think climate change should be our priority, but... In particular, beef and lamb that produce a lot more emissions than their meat counterparts. If you just cut those two out of your diet, not only is that helping your health, but it's also helping the planet. It's also helping cut down the emissions related to beef and lamb production. So if you can't turn vegan or vegetarian, then do try to cut down your meat. It will help your health and it will also help the planet. Not just meat, but also where your food items are from. Obviously, if you buy more processed foods, they'll most likely be coming through from different countries. They'll be flown in, they'll be chipped in, they'll be using fossil fuels, so they'll be adding onto the carbon footprint of those items. So the best way to reduce your own emissions through food consumption would definitely be to eat less meat and eat less processed foods and eat more locally. The next way you can reduce your own emissions is to buy sensibly. First of all, you should be only buying things that you actually do need and not things that you just leave to your side and then before even using them, you just throw them away. Because those things will, of course, end up on the landfill, especially if those things are primarily made of plastic. That also includes buying things that you don't know would actually be of right purpose and then you end up returning them. There is a massive problem with returning items because most companies actually end up throwing those returned items instead of putting them back on the stock so other people can buy it. I have no idea why people do that. I don't have any idea why organisations would do that because you're throwing away your own produce. Isn't that going to be affecting you negatively? But no, most companies actually throw away returned items probably because of hygiene purposes. 
So whenever you are buying, especially clothes online, make sure you actually want this item. And I would actually recommend not buying things that you feel a bit iffy on when you haven't bought from a company before, because the chances of you returning it would be quite high. A lot of items, like I said, that are returned end up on landfills. And Amazon is one of those companies that do this a lot, even if it's not a clothing item, even if it's, I don't know, a Bluetooth speaker that you ordered. That Bluetooth speaker might as well just be on the landfill when you give it back. So definitely make sure, think more than twice about if you want something. It will be saving you money and it will be preventing things going to landfills unnecessarily. Buying sensibly also includes fast fashion. I will definitely make an episode on this separately. It won't really be part of this series, but it is still linked to climate change. Fast fashion is essentially when companies produce masses and masses of clothing items. So they have a massive amount of stock and obviously consumers will continue buying it. So whenever you buy online, especially when you see like a £4 top or a really cheap item online and you think, wow, that's great. That is part of fast fashion. That is part of the fast fashion industry. And fast fashion is impacting the climate it is impacting the environment it's not sustainable it's not ethical as well i'll definitely go into this more de- in more detail later on but for instance cotton cotton has a lot of carbon emissions already these fast fashion companies that we're seeing that we rely on for clothes they are most likely using genetically modified crops cotton crops especially and that is not good for the environment Genetically modified crops use so much more water than normal crops do. They produce a larger yield, but they're using more water, they're using more pesticides, fertilisers. So it's not good for the environment and it won't be good for climate change either. Not just it being an environmental issue, but it also is a big ethical issue. Fast fashion companies heavily rely on cheap and child labour. I'll go into this in more detail, but... Essentially, fast fashion is not good for the environment and also for society. So those are a few ways that you can reduce your own emissions. I'm definitely going to condense this down more and put these on my social media. So you can look back at these, you can have access to these. But they are the few ways that you can reduce your own emissions. If you have any way that you reduce your own emissions, then please do share it. I want other people to see it and I also want to know other ways I can also reduce my own emissions as well. For methane emission solutions is actually not as straightforward and is mostly aimed at the government trying to implement some sort of solution to help reduce it. So I don't think we as the public can actually do much for methane emissions but the main types of solutions that we have is that we can reduce methane impact by storing it so we can use that as energy especially from landfills and mining both of which produce a lot of methane once waste breaks down or when you extract minerals, both produce a lot of methane. So if we can somehow store that methane gas and use that for energy, that would be much beneficial to us. Also, fixing gas pipe leakages will help in reducing our methane emissions. But ultimately, the main source of methane is actually agriculture. And again, I'll be talking about this in a separate episode. But yes, as a very brief sort of insight into it, the main source of methane has been agriculture. And because the population is increasing so much across the globe, the emissions are going to increase. Whether that's crops, 
or whether that's livestock. But I won't go into too much detail into this now because that's going to be a part of my other episode. But improving agricultural and food consumption will definitely help greatly. I recommend going to the United States Environmental Protection Agency, so EPA's website. I'll put the link on my website. And they actually have very nicely put lots of different solutions for different types of greenhouse gases. And if you actually compare CO2 solutions and methane solutions, CO2 solutions are quite a few, but with methane they only have around about three solutions. So that shows that we've put so much research and time into solving CO2 emissions rather than putting in more time into methane emission solutions that could probably reduce climate change or the effect on climate much more than just focusing on CO2 emissions. I actually want to spend quite a lot of time discussing airplane emissions. They're very familiar with transport to land transport like cars and buses etc. They're very familiar with their emissions and we can see that pollution like I said. But with aeroplanes, you can't exactly see how much emissions are being produced with airlines. But you can obviously imagine just how many emissions one plane or one return journey would produce. The EU actually states that one return flight from London to New York produces approximately the same emissions as one person in the EU does by heating their house for a year. So you can imagine how big that is. You can imagine the magnitude of those emissions. Just one return flight is producing that many emissions. So that makes planes part of the top 10 contributors to greenhouse gas emissions. When I was actually searching how bad airplanes are for the environment, I kind of felt bad because I've obviously been on airplanes. And for my recent holiday, I also went on airplanes. So I had to research with a very heavy heart. But of course, you need to face the reality. The reality is that aeroplanes are producing much more emissions than cars do, even though they do carry a lot of passengers in one go. So we've confirmed that flying is, of course, bad for the environment. But what can we do to actually reduce its effect on climate change? Stopping aeroplanes is basically the same as telling someone to stop using their car forever. You know that that's not going to be efficient, that's not going to be practical. People need transport to take them to different places. Even if it's not just a holiday, it can also be part of their job or even for some sort of emergency where taking an airplane is the only suitable option that you have. If you follow science news or just news in general, you would have heard that Greta Thunberg has actually started a journey from London to, I think it is America, I'm not sure which part, but she is going on a zero emission journey by travelling with a yacht that won't produce any carbon emissions, which is of course great because it's not producing any emissions, but for the public, it's not a practical idea. It's not a practical way to get anywhere. But Greta is definitely my inspiration, and I think her two-week journey to New York, now I've searched it up and it's definitely New York, her journey is symbolic for the climate change campaign and I definitely do believe that leaders and officials will definitely look into how they can combat climate change. So how can we actually reduce our emissions by still using aeroplanes but cutting down on how many greenhouse gases we release? First of all, airline companies are actually playing a big role to cut down on their own emissions. And I think I felt very excited when I read that EasyJet is one of the top companies to cut down their emissions, especially because I used EasyJet to go to Cyprus recently. There is an article on this, I'll put it on my website, it's a BBC article, 
and EasyJet emits around 75 grams of CO2 per passenger. Compared to bigger airlines like Korean Air, which use around 172 grams per passenger of CO2, or British Airways, which emit 112 grams of CO2 per passenger, that is a very less amount. So, of course, that made me very happy. And I do recommend going on EasyJet if you are going to shorter distance. The BBC article actually has a very nice bar chart that compares the different airlines and it shows you what airline produces the most amount of CO2 per passenger and which don't. And of course, EasyJet is on the top of that. I think I was pretty shocked to hear that because EasyJet prices are quite cheaper compared to other airlines. So I assumed that their CO2 emissions must be greater because the cheaper something is, the more flaws it has in it, the more harm it potentially could be doing to the environment. So I think this article kind of shocked me. But this research, which is carried out by London School of Economics, claims that the reason why EasyJet has less emissions than any other airline is because it has a more efficient design and because it is obviously a smaller plane compared to other bigger aeroplanes. And they also have this policy to make sure every single seat is full. If you go on EasyJet, they actually do see which seats are empty and they recommend people to sit in those seats. So I think that policy and plus being a smaller plane makes it one of the top airline companies that have less emissions compared to other ones. But of course, there are some caveats to the research. Of course, every scientific report has some sort of uncertainty. And you have to realise that, of course, the bigger airplanes get, the more emissions they will produce naturally. Because, of course, they have more passengers to carry and then the baggage allowance also increases. Compare EasyJet to, for instance, British Airways. EasyJet has a very limited amount of baggage allowance that you can take. Whereas British Airways, you can take much more. So, of course, taking those things into consideration, you then realise that EasyJet, of course, will have less emissions than bigger airlines because they are a smaller aeroplane and they're carrying less people and baggage. On top of that, EasyJet only make journeys for short destinations. So it's usually for Europe. And, of course, when you're going outside a continent, you'll need a bigger airline. So... You have to kind of think about these factors before actually considering which airline is greener than the other. That being said, this shouldn't be an excuse for bigger airlines to say that just because we're bigger and just because we're carrying more people and more baggage, we have the right to produce more emissions. Every single airline has the responsibility to reduce their own emissions, regardless of how big they are. So I'm going to try to provide you with ways you can reduce your emissions and still take flights. These solutions are actually based on an article I read on the NY Times. It's a very good article. Again, you'll find the link on my website. The first way to reduce your own airplane emissions is, of course, the basic way, fly less. Again, it's all a supply and demand issue. If there are less flights on demand, the supply will go down and, of course, less fuel will be used. So whenever you can, try to limit your use of airplanes. I've seen people take aeroplanes to destinations that they could have taken a car. Maybe it's less time consuming for them, but again, it is going to be producing more emissions. So try to reduce your usage of planes. Of course, for destinations that have a longer distance to get to, you will obviously need to take an aeroplane. But whenever you can, try to use a train, for instance. Try to use your car. Try to use a coach. 
for most of my holidays that I've been on, I've actually taken coaches. So it was tours, but it was on a coach. So coaches are obviously much better than airplanes. So you have to think about the lesser of two evils here. Coaches are much smaller. And even though they might take a little bit more time, caring for the planet is much more important. Also about longer distances. The longer the distance is, the more the plane cruises. So the plane won't be using that much fuel when it's cruising. So of course, if it's a long distance, I definitely recommend taking an aeroplane. But for shorter distances, where the plane is not really going to be flying as much, but is still going to be using fuel, try to use a different form of transport. The second way to reduce your airplane emissions is to actually avoid going on journeys that have stops whenever you search up wherever you want to go to. And you see that the cheapest option actually has one or two stops. Of course, you're tempted to go for the cheaper option. But if you think about it, the more stops that your journey has, the more fuel the plane will need to take to obviously land and take off. NASA claimed that 25% of airplane emissions just come from landing and taking off. So if you have, let's say, three or even two stops, even one stop, you're using much more emissions than a person taking a non-stop journey. Of course, again, sometimes it's not possible to take a journey that doesn't have any stops, which I understand. But again, it's all about limiting your use of those journeys that have those stops. So reducing the amount of journeys you take that have stops in them. The third way, which I think will be music to your ears if you don't have millions in your account, or you just don't like spending that much, is actually to fly economy instead of flying business. So the reason why people buy business class tickets is, of course, to have more legroom, to have that pod to yourself, you can lay down, essentially get that business class feel. But because of that, planes just have to be made bigger. Obviously, you're having more leg space per passenger that is going through business class. And so, of course, you'll have to make a bigger plane. With that, business class actually use three times more emissions than economy class do because of course bigger legroom makes a bigger plane and then you have more emissions. I don't really think there's more to explain to that. Business class is still of course much better than using a private jet because that one private jet is carrying most likely one person compared to an aeroplane that has a business class section that's carrying many more passengers. So of course business class is better than private jet use but if you can definitely use economy you'll be saving money and you'll be protecting the planet the fourth way to reduce your airplane emissions is to actually fly with companies so airlines that are emitting less greenhouse gases or are actually offsetting their emissions offsetting is basically a practice used by companies to balance out their own emissions by investing in certain programs that help reduce co2 in the environment. So it's basically like compensating your emissions. So how it works is that you go to a company and they calculate how much carbon you are going to emit in a particular journey that you're going to take. And according to that, they'll offer different programs. So you have to pay for them. Most of them, I think they're quite affordable. So you pay for one of the schemes such as planting trees or helping with energy efficient appliances and technology, etc. So you can offset your carbon emissions. There are many airlines actually offer offsetting programs or instead do the offsetting for you. For instance, Emirates is actually really famous for offsetting carbon for their customers. So instead of making their customers 
by offsetting packages, they do it for them. And not only that, they're actually doing a lot for the environment. If you check out their website, go to the environment section and they're doing a lot of conservation projects in UAE as well as offsetting their carbon emissions. British Airways, on the other hand, actually allows customers to offset their own carbon emissions. So I think when you buy a ticket from them, I haven't gone on a British Airways flight yet, but if you buy a ticket from them, I think there should be option on the buy page and you can calculate how much carbon emissions you're going to be producing with that flight they are going on and they will show you the different type of packages that you can buy to offset your own carbon emissions. I don't particularly find this as a good option because many people actually don't know about offsetting. For instance, myself, I only found out about offsetting a few months ago and many people are not willing to pay extra for their flight. They would kind of expect the airline to be doing it for them, especially because airlines have so much money. They should be investing in offsetting programs or conservation programs or anything that is helping the environment and rather not depend on the customers to pay for it. However, they are doing more than just offsetting their carbon emissions. They are taking part in lots of sustainability projects. For instance, they're using waste plants with a company I forgot the name of. You can just do a quick Google search, British Airways Environment or Sustainability, and this should come up. So they have this program going on where they're using waste plants that convert household waste to renewable jet fuel. So that is a really good step. They have many other programs. That was just one of them. But they're not just relying on customers to pay for offsetting programs, they are also doing their own bit. I gave this example for waste plants because I think it's so much better than using biofuels, especially when you have food crops and you're using those for biofuels. That brings in an ethical issue as well. So I think that's a very good way to use renewable energy. But, there is always a but. Offsetting isn't the option that we should be settling for. Basically what airlines are doing is that they're continuing to use non-renewable energy. So they're continuing to use fossil fuels, they're continuing to emit greenhouse gases, in particular CO2, and they're not doing anything about it. But instead what they're doing is that they're providing programs for people to pay for or they do it for themselves, thinking that it should balance it out. So they're trying to be carbon neutral. And it's said again and again that carbon neutral isn't something that we should be depending on. Of course, being carbon neutral is much better than just emitting and not doing anything about it. But when we emit and it goes into the environment, it goes into the atmosphere, it takes time for the environment to balance it out. Even if we plant thousands of trees and emit tons of CO2, it's going to take the environment time to balance it out. And plus, during that time that is trying to balance it out, it could be making global warming or any other part of climate change worse. It could be affecting us more in the short term. We shouldn't be seeing the environment as some sort of transactional system where we put in a lot of CO2 and then we expect it to be absorbed by planting a million trees. It doesn't work like that. It takes time. Climate is a natural part of the planet, so of course it's going to be taking time. It takes years, decades, you get the idea. Not only that, many airlines actually don't offset their emissions or don't provide any sort of option for customers to offset their emissions either. And many people, like I said, don't even know about offsetting. 
or how to buy offsets, it's never really clear how you can actually buy them. Whenever I've looked at airplane tickets, I've never seen a pop-up saying, offset your carbon emissions for this flight. Whenever people see money especially, they try to avoid it. So offsetting isn't an option that airlines should be depending on or we should be. We need to absolutely shift our dependency on fossil fuels and being carbon neutral and basically offsetting to just using renewables. Why don't we just go with the cleanest option out there? You don't have to invest in offsetting or anything like that. Why don't we just use renewables that won't be producing those emissions that we're so worried about? Offsets just basically continue on our cycle of fossil fuel dependency and we need to break that cycle and create a new cycle of renewable energy. So I would say to not worry about buying offsets. If you do want to, then go ahead. But I don't think that is the sustainable option for our future. So just to quickly summarise how you can reduce your airplane emissions while still flying is reduce your airplane usage, try to use cars or trains or any other sort of transport you can when possible. Avoid having stops in your airplane journey and try to choose airlines that are actively playing a role to combat anthropogenic climate change. And of course, use smaller airlines like EasyJet for closer destinations. I feel like I've given a lot of information in this episode, so I will definitely condense this episode into lists and I'll post them on my social media pages to help you reduce your own emissions to combat air pollution. But just as a quick wrap up, continue doing all those things you do or have heard that you should. For instance, turning off the lights, removing plugs and any other green practice you've heard about or you still do. And also just try to pay more attention to what companies you support. It really won't hurt to just do a quick Google search of the companies you're supporting, the airlines or any other organisation you use. Check if that company is actually playing an active role in conservation or renewable energy. Like I said in the very first episode of this series, Climate change should be our priority. We are all living on this planet, so you being eco-conscious is benefiting the planet and therefore benefiting you and your loved ones. You being eco-conscious is going to make Earth a more hospitable place to live in, will prevent us from seeing that dark future that we're heading to if we don't reduce our emissions or if we don't change the way our lives are right now. Climate scientists have given us up to 2050, 2050 to change our ways before it's too late, before change will become irreversible and regardless of what we will do, it won't stop us from destroying our earth forever. We need to be able to get ready to change our lifestyles and to change our perspective of the world before it's too late, before we end up destroying the planet we are living on right now. We are running out of time, but we still have enough time before 2050 comes where we can actually change the way our future is turning out to be. So many people are being aware of their impact on the planet, and I'm very, very proud of that, but we need to do more. We really do. So continue on challenging those organisations that you feel like aren't doing enough. Carry on challenging the government. Carry on being eco-conscious. We can do this together. But it starts from here. It starts from you. Thank you for listening. 
I hope you've gained a little more insight to what it's like to be mindful of everything. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app to be up to date with episode releases and go over to my website, mindfuloveverything.home.blog to get more information. This is Agrita with the Mindful of Everything podcast and I shall see you next time.